Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. And uh, let's, uh, let's be thinking about getting into this next uh, um, sermon in this series called Holy Moses. Let me ask you a question, just kind of set things up. Um, before we enter into a prayer that I want to have. A lot of our ladies are traveling home from the uh, um, um, retreat that they had this past weekend, and, and God has blessed them. It looked like they had a great experience, and um, they got to see a bear, and us men been going for a long time and even threatened to hang beef on the tree and still haven't seen a bear. Um, and so, you know, like, what's the deal here, Lord? Thank you very much. And when I say saw a bear, I don't mean from a half a mile out. I mean, like, stay in the building looking down from their porch. It's like there was bears. And it's like, ah, what about that? Um, anyway, let me ask you a question. Best gift you have ever received. Somebody gave you a gift. What was the best gift you've ever received? Just think about it for a second. Best gift you've ever received. Father, as we think about this, we just ask and pray that you would be with us. We ask and pray that you be with uh, the ladies from our church that are traveling. Ask and pray that you'll be with their families that they're away from. Uh, uh, just ask and pray that you would set your host round about them as they travel. Give them mercy, God. Uh, protect them from the highway. Protect them from their vehicles. I pray that their trip is uneventful. I pray that they get home safely. This morning, God, we ask and pray that you open up your word to us. We pray that you fill this room up with the Holy Spirit. We ask and pray that you challenge us. And we ask and pray that you make a difference in our lives, that we might bring you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, when I think about gifts and I think about the things that I've received as a child, as a man, as a grown adult, as a husband, as a father, and things like that, the gifts that I've received, gifts are free. That, that's kind of the nature of the gift. If you got a gift and there were strings attached, we, we kind of realize that that's not really a gift, right? Because we don't like the strings attached. If you're going to give me a gift, don't be like, I'm going to give you this, but you have to. It's like, stop right there. But when we receive a true gift, a gift comes without any strings attached, and it's absolutely free. Nobody has to teach us to have a gift. And I want to talk about your particular gifts today. I want to talk about the gifts that God has given to you, and, and let's just talk about what are we doing with them. And we're, we're in the life of Moses, and we're looking, about the various thing, looking at the various things that God has done through Moses, and we're asking ourselves, what is it that God's doing in my life as a result of this? What is this that, that's going on? And I want you to find yourself um, somewhere in there in the next 34 minutes, okay? So let's, let's just look, look at this. I'm going to be reading from Exodus chapter 35. So if you've got a Bible, just open that baby up. It's in the front part of your Bible, the first quarter of an inch, okay? Um, if you've got a, a version or something like that, just go ahead and pop that baby open. Go to version, type in, you want to read, and you want to read in Exodus chapter 35. And I'm going to read a story, and I'll do a little setup afterwards. But the children of Israel are in the wilderness, okay? So let me just read this story beginning at verse 30 of chapter 35. It says, Then Moses said to the Israelites, See, the Lord has chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, and son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And God has filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, ability, and knowledge in all kinds of crafts to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, to engage in all kinds of artistic craftsmanship. And he has given both him and Aholiab, son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. He has filled them with skill to do all kinds of work as craftsmen, designers, 
embroiders in blue, purple, scarlet yarn, fine linens, and weavers, all of them master craftsmen and designers. So Bezalel, Aholiab, and every skilled person to whom the Lord has given skill and ability to know how to carry out all the work of constructing the sanctuary are to do the work just as the Lord has commanded. Then Moses summoned Bezalel and Aholiab and every skilled person to whom the Lord had given ability and who was willing. You see that right there? If you've got your Bible, this is the place where you can color in your Bible just a little tiny bit, and I would actually invite you to circle that, okay? Gather everybody that the God has invested himself in who is willing to do the work. And it kind of says that there are a lot of people filled with God or that God is investing in who are not willing to do the work of God. But that's just me. It says, invite them to come and do the work. They received from Moses all the offerings, excuse me, they received from Moses all the offerings the Israelites had brought to carry out the work of constructing the sanctuary. And the people continued to bring free will offerings morning after morning. So all the skilled craftsmen who were doing all the work of the sanctuary left their work and said to Moses, the people are bringing in more than enough for doing the work the Lord commanded us to be done. So then Moses gave an order. Remember, he's talking to 1.6 million people, it's estimated. Then Moses gave an order and sent this word throughout the whole camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more because they'd already had, um, was more, what they had already had was more than enough to do all the work of the Lord. And that's the picture of what's going on in here. And I don't want to talk about your money today. It's a part of the gifting that you have from God. But I want to look at what's going on in the Scripture. God has commanded the children of Israel to go out into the desert. He said, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to take you to the promised land. I'm going to give you a land of your own. I'm going to do miraculous things. You're going to see me move in great and powerful ways. You're going to see me do that. But in the meantime, they told Pharaoh, and rightly so, we're going out to a worship conference in the desert. We get to go to the worship conference. And in the course of events, God said, you're going to come to the worship conference, and I want you to build the tabernacle. So not only are we going to go out into the wilderness to find God and, 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 and worship him, but we have to build the church that he's going to attend and that we're going to attend. So that was the goal. They're going to go out into the wilderness, and they're going to make a portable temple, which is referred to as the tabernacle in the wilderness. That's what they're going to do. And they're going to build it exactly like God said. So what they're going to do is they're going to go out, I don't know if you're familiar with church planting, but they're going to go out and they're going to build a load-in, load-out church. So they're going to tr construct all this thing so that they can like pack it into trailers, so to speak, but there's no trailers, they got to carry it. So they're going to pack it so that they can pack it around with them. Imagine having to take all the chairs, all the tables, all the everything for the kids, all the everything for the adults, all the everything for the hospitality, and then the, the, the Spirit of God is there in a pillar of fire. The Spirit of God is there in a pillar of smoke. They're wandering around following these two pillars, one at night, one in the day. And any time that pillar stops, they stop and they set up camp. And by camp, I mean the tabernacle in the wilderness. They, they build the church, okay? It, it's a mobile church. Just like what Rick Warren had in the 70s and the 80s. Rick Warren is a pastor of Saddleback Church out in California. And at the Saddleback Church out in California, they had, they, he's kind of the epitome or the, 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 the guy that kind of launched the idea of load in, load out. Rick Warren 
built a church out in Orange County, um, California, and it was until they had a, a specific site, they were load in, load out, but they would put where they're meeting in the newspaper. And so sometimes they would meet in the school, sometimes they would meet at the park, sometimes they would meet down at the beach. And, and Rick said, I was at a conference one time, and he said, listen, our church is nothing but smart people. He said, because you have to be smart to find us on Sunday morning and to know where to look that we're going to be. He said, you don't just, you know, come. He said, you got to know where we are. Well, that's what Rick was doing. Load in, load out. And that's what the children where Israel were doing. By the way, Rick said that they never had a facility until they were at least 3,200 people. And so until they got to the place where they could minister to 3,200 people, they were load in, load out. Man, that's crazy. That's amazing. But it doesn't quite compare to what was going on in the wilderness. And God said, I want you to build this massive mobile worship center where we will worship where 1.6 million people can worship in the wilderness. And that's what they're going to do. But he said, you've got to do it exactly the way I say. You have to build this tabernacle by my specifications. You can't deviate from them because I'm holy. And this tabernacle is holy. Literally, it can't set on the ground. It has to set on bases that set on the ground. It's crazy when you begin to study that. But in the book of Leviticus, God said, you are to be holy to me because I, the Lord, am holy and I have set you apart from the nations to be my own. God tells us that six times in the scripture. Peter tells us this, as obedient children, don't conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. What, what does that mean, be holy? Be religious, be spiritual, stand on a soup, soapbox out on the corner in downtown Richmond and preach the gospel. Um, don't watch uh, Harry Potter. Um, you, you know how it is. You know, my kids were talking to me. They're grown adults, and, and they were talking to me the other day, and it was like, hey, remember when you wouldn't let us do this? Remember when you wouldn't let us do that? It's like, yes, I do. I do. Let it go, okay, Elsa? It's going to be okay. It's all right. But, you know, it, it doesn't mean just doing that. Being holy means that you specifically, as an individual, part of a corporate body, were set aside for the work of God. Doesn't mean that you're not a mechanic. Doesn't mean that you're not an administrator. Doesn't mean that um, you're not a, a, you know, a, a performer, a, a, a teacher, a nurse, a doctor. What it does mean is that wherever you are working, wherever you are a husband, a wife, or a, a single person, wherever you are, that you are there for God. And the easiest way to know if you actually understand that before you say, yeah, I understand that, is to say, who is growing closer to God in the environment that you work, play, and study in? Who knows Jesus because you know Jesus? Because you are holy and you are there on purpose, not on accident. God wants you to grow and he wants you to grow the kingdom. So this ark, this, I mean, yeah, this, this tabernacle in the wilderness, it had to be built exactly as God prescribed it, the same way he did with Noah when he said, you build this ark, but you build it exactly to these specifications. And it looked approximately something like this. Everybody's always doing something, designing it, drawing it, and saying, hey, I wonder what that baby looked like. But you've got to remember, it was, don't think primitive like in uneducated. Think primitive as in we didn't have the materials to build concrete walls and they weren't mobile if they would make them out of concrete. So what 
what you had was an outer curtain. What you have in the middle there is the sacrificial, um, the, the, the bronze altar, and then you have the laver where they wash their hands, and then if you go inside, the actual tabernacle is that little tent in the middle, okay? And you can see, and there's a, there's a lot that goes into the fact that they're, the posts, there's 60 posts, they're setting on bronze, there's silver on top, the silver is judgment, the bronze is the world, um, and, the, and it's white, cloth and it separates the tabernacle from the world and there's all these things that say look this thing is holy it's God God met them there God came down on that thing and they knew that God was there that tent in the middle is the tabernacle it's 15 feet tall it's 15 feet wide and it's 45 feet deep it's broken up to 30 feet on the front end and 15 by 15 by 15 on the back end. The front curtain right there in front of you is the one that you hear referred to that the curtain of the temple, which is modeled after this, was torn from top to bottom when Jesus died. The, the curtain is that thick. It's a hand breadth thick. So you can imagine that thing weighs over three or 400 pounds and what it takes for somebody to carry it through the wilderness. Check this out. For 40 years. That's what they were doing. Set that baby up, tear that baby down. Set that baby up, tear that down. In the first 30 feet, the first room that's 30 by 15 by 15 of that center tent, the tabernacle itself, is where you will find the altar of incense, the table that had the bread on it, and the seven-branched menorah that gave it light. You see the menorah, the Jew Jewish holiday, and it has the, the, okay, that was inside of there, okay? And then if you go to what's referred to, some people will say holy of holies, but it's actually the most holy place, is in the back. Completely dark, the curtains are there, and it's all, and they only go in there once a year. The priest only goes in there once a year to make sacrifice. And inside of there is, is the Ark of the Covenant. And inside of the Ark of the Covenant is the second set of tablets that Moses brought down from the mountain when he was with God, the Ten Commandments, okay? Also, there is a staff in there that budded when Aaron got challenged, and Moses got challenged on who made you boss. And they said, okay, whoever's staff buds, and his budded, and so it's in, it's in, the, in the Ark of the Covenant. Also is a gold jar of manna that supposedly is preserved through per or in perpetuity as actual manna inside the Ark of the Covenant. And that's in there, and that's where God's presence came down on the mercy seat, which is the cover of, of the Ark of the Covenant. And so this is the tabernacle in the wilderness that they were to make, and everything about this thing, if you study it, points to Jesus. Ab absolutely everything, everything, everything. But here's the deal. They needed to make this thing. And remember, one day they were slaves. The next day they were filthy rich. One day they knew how to make clay bricks. But the next day, God empowered Aholiab and, and Bezalel, and they knew how to fashion gold. They knew how to, God did a download in them. And the scripture says, and then they in turn taught other people. And listen, as human beings, we can say, well, probably they were this or they were that. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that God gifted them, gave them something that they did not learn or earn. Put something inside of them that they just knew how to do it. And, and weave all those cloths and those animal skins together. And so we're looking at this thing, and it's an absolute miracle that was going on. And that was their worship center right there. 
And then at one point, um, Aholiab and Bezalel had to do something that every pastor that I've ever spoken to wishes that they would have the opportunity to do one time. And that is to tell everybody to stop bringing in tithes and offerings. We have enough. <laughs> we can't imagine that. Listen, I am so thankful that this church is debt-free and has a significant amount of money in the bank. And, and you know, we're, we're pouring ourselves into the community with touch-of-trucks and enrich and things like that. And we're doing that. I, I am tickled to death um, for that. But it's amazing to see what God has done and what God will do when people are like going all in. And, and, and Aholiab and Bezalel had to say, listen, stop bringing that. I can only imagine it was like my, my granddaughter who called me one day last year um, during the whole Zoom school thing and she wanted a desk for her bedroom. She just wanted a desk. That's all she wanted. And I said, why do you want a desk? And she said, because I need a desk to learn at, Grandpa. And it was like, what kind of grandpa wouldn't just go out and pay for that baby, right? You just buy the girl the desk. She wants to be an academician. It's like, yes, you just do it. But I'm not there. And so I said, well, how much does this desk cost? And she told me it's $129. And I said, well, that's $129. She said, I know. I said, how much do you have? She said, $30. She said, but I'm not asking you to give me money, Grandpa. I'm wondering if you have work for me to do. And I said, yes, I do. I have work for you. And uh, so she came over to my house, and I posted a picture on social media. And there was my daughter going back and forth across the backyard cleaning my, my yard because I have three big dogs. And I said, I will pay you to do that. And she did. She didn't even hesitate. But she also sold cookies. She was going to make cookies and sell them. And so when she came in the house after she cleaned my yard, she said, Grandpa, we're also going to make cookies. I think we're going to, I think we're going to get enough to, to buy my desk. And I said, really? And every time while we were talking, the phone would ding, and my wife was getting, uh, Pastor Janice was getting messages from Stella's mom. Uh, sorry, I wasn't going to tell you who it was, but anyway, um, from my granddaughter's mom. And it kept saying, you now have this many orders of cookies. You now have this many orders of cookies. You now have this many orders of cookies. And at some point, she had a meltdown. She had $600 worth of orders of cookies for a $129 desk, and she was crying her eyes out. And I said, what's wrong? She said, tell my mama to tell the people to stop buying cookies. I can't make that many cookies. I'll do nothing for the rest of my life but make cookies. And we said, we will tell your mama, but we will also help you make the cookies. People were just ordering cookies from her from all over, literally the United, people from Kentucky, people from, I mean, uh, Oklahoma, people from Texas, people, it's like Ohio, everybody, and they were saying, just take them to the um, first responders, just take them to the fire station, just take them to the, and, and they did that. But I imagine Aholiab and Bezalel was like, Moses, could you please tell the people we don't have any more place to store the gold and the silver and the jewels, just keep their stuff. Can you imagine being there? It's like, wow. But that's a picture that I get. And I see God building this tabernacle in the wilderness. Well, God is building his church and this whole tabernacle in the wilderness. You and I are now vessels of God Almighty. He is investing himself in us the way he did that tabernacle in the wilderness and the way he did the temple that Solomon built, David's temple. Solomon's temple, but David kind of designed it. The initial. So God is doing that. And this isn't a message about giving money. That's not what I want to talk about. I want to talk about your gift. Your gift. 
That's what I want to get to. God is building his church, and he's asking you to make it happen. Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. God is building the church. Not buildings, people. It's about people. It's about bringing people to know Jesus. There is more to church. It's about raising our families and things like that that we're going to get into this fall. But right now, we're at the beginning of the school year, and it is about the story of Moses and how it applies to us. And the kingdom of God is about people. And I want to encourage you in this. Because as I was sitting there reading this story of Moses, I came to understand that God saved the children of Israel into something. He didn't just save them. You ever heard somebody say, yeah, I got saved. You got saved what? I got saved... Well, God loves me. He's forgiven me. Okay, but you got saved. A lot of people think they got saved out of hell. But God doesn't save people out of things in all reality. He saves people into things. God saved you into his family. God saved you into a place in heaven. God saved you into the work of his kingdom here on this earth. And I'll show it to you from scripture in just a second. You see, you got saved into something. But most Christians in America think that they got saved and that's what it means. They got saved. Got saved what? What are you doing with the whole, I'm, I'm, I'm holy and therefore be holy? What are we doing with that? So God says to you and I this morning that God saved you and I into something. Look at this in 1 Peter. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation. Okay, there you go. That's what we are. We're saved. We're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. That's us. Here we are. There you got. We're, we're chosen. We're set aside. But, but it doesn't stop there. This is the evidence. You were saved into something. You were saved into something. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you did not have mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends... I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good work or your good deeds and glorify your uh, God or our Father on the day that He visits us. See what's going on? You're saved into something. So let me ask you a question. What were you saved into? What were you saved into because that's one that we all we all need to wrestle with god saves us into his kingdom work and it comes down to what's your part what's your part number one god saved us into something number two god gave the israelites money or, or resources as well as gifting we often think that god gives somebody some money but what about the fact that god has gifted people to do things what about that do you ever stop and think that sometimes it's not about money, but God has gifted people to make money? You know, do you know people that God has gifted to make money? There are people out there that money just makes sense to, isn't there? Do you know some of those people? I, I, listen, I am classic. I, I, listen, I can do this, okay? I can buy high and I can sell low. Man, I am so good at that. You know what they call that? Poor. They call that poor. I could buy it for this. You know, some of you got in on that AMC stock thing, right? You know what? I mean, you saw that. It upset the whole of America, and Wall Street was mad. All the filthy rich people on Wall Street were really mad because these kids that were doing this didn't know what they were doing. Well, it occurred to me they really did know what they were doing. 
And they could do it faster than their, I, anyway. So, so I, you know, I'm looking at this thing, watching it climb, thinking, wow, we should get in on that. And it gets up to, you know, like a million dollars or something. I'm thinking, we should buy some. And then the next day it would fall down to a dollar. And I would say, we better hurry up and sell it. You know, because we don't want to get left with nothing. At least we'll get a dollar back. After we paid $900 million for it, and then we sell it for a dollar. And it's like, that's my, but there are people that will say, you know, that's 75 cents. I think we better get a couple of shares of that baby. And the next day they're multimillionaires. Literally. People that just go do things and it just seems, but they're gifted. It just makes sense. We have a board member. I always try to have a fiscal conservative on the board. You know what that is? That's the guy that, I mean, he's a very spiritual man. He is. But when I give him the budget and I say, man, this is, this is what I'm thinking right here. He's like, Joe, one and one doesn't equal $700,000. It doesn't work that way. It's like, well, if you pray, it does. And no, it doesn't. It doesn't do that. It's like, okay, but what? Okay, but now we're at the place right now where it's like, I can't even recognize this man. He sits down, he's like, one and one doesn't equal $700,000, but man, we prayed and last year incredible things happened. So maybe it does, let's just do it. And it's like, I've got to find another fiscal conservative put on a church board because God keeps doing things. But this is the kind of guy that can take a, a, a church budget that's a quarter of an inch thick, lay it on the table and go one, two, three, four, Hey, on page seven, you've got 15 cents that doesn't add up there. And I'm like, dude, I got 15 cents in my pocket here. And he goes, it doesn't work that way. And I said, it does in my life. Here's 15 cents. He said, it won't balance. It will if you put the 15 cents in there. Same way I do my wife. My wife says, listen, our checkbook's off by two cents. It's like, babe, I'll give you a nickel. I will give you a whole nickel. She said, honey, it doesn't work that way. I said, it will if I give you the nickel. If you put it in the bank, I'll be three cents more than I need. And she's like, it doesn't work that way. See, there are people that money makes sense to, and there are people that it doesn't. Okay, there are artists, there are free spirits, Dave Ramsey says, and there are nerds. Okay, I am so glad that I've got both on this church board. That guy flipped that thing open and said, it looks good except on this particular page. And I'm thinking, how can you do that that fast? And he's like, it's numbers. And I'm, listen, I'm not lying to you. When Michaela builds the, the report, and I just got the report for this past quarter, it has to have pictures. I'm not lying to you. It has all the lines with all the numbers and stuff like that. And I give it back and I say, just make me some pie charts, would you? Make me some bar graphs. I just need to know that the blue line is taller than the black line or vice versa, you know, whatever that is. I just need to know that because it doesn't make sense to me. But there are people that are so gifted. God has gifted them. There are people that are gifted to speak. They can. There are people that God has gifted to sing and lead us in worship. Do we not have some of the most talented people in, in this region on this stage? Not just singing music, but writing it. And it's like, wow. There are some people that God has gifted to play. I used to play worship, but I wouldn't dare get on this stage with them. I wouldn't do it. They are so gifted. It just makes sense. All the little strings, all the little notes, all the little keys on the piano. It makes so much sense to them when they do it that they just do it without even thinking about it. There are people that are gifted to teach. Some of you in here, you're gifted to teach. You're gifted at it. You're, you don't just do it. You're gifted at it. Some of you in here that are gifted as artists, you see our chalk walls out there? Don't they keep doing a great job? 
Man, it's like, yeah, get your picture in front of this one again, okay? Yeah, that's what's going on. There are people that are gifted to organize. When we planted this church, I, my organization skills are like nil. My personal people skills, I, I like those. I, I like people. Administration, not so much, but we couldn't afford an administrator, so I had to do it. My wife told me two years in, God has done something in your life because you're more administrative at church and you're more administrative at home now. God does it. And some people are just gifted in gathering people. My son was at a camp up in northern Indiana one time, and I've shared this story with you, but he was talking and talking and copying to a group of about 15 young people. And when they got all done, I went over, because I was one of the speakers with a, a friend of mine, and I went over and I said, Joseph, what was that all about? You know, were, were you like waxing eloquent on the, you know, the anthropomorphisms of God? And, you know, uh, he's like, no, we were talking about how to eat a banana. I said, for nine minutes, you had people glued on your face talking about how to eat a banana. He goes, yeah, crazy, isn't it? I said, imagine what you could do for the kingdom of God if you just stop being a goober, you know? He's like, well, yeah, okay, I get it. But he actually helped us plant this church. He spoke here for me on a regular basis before he moved away. You and I have been gifted by God. We've been gifted. Every one of you is gifted. Paul told the church in Corinth, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To the one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits to another speaking in different kinds of tongues and still to another the interpretation of, of tongues all of these are the work of the one and same spirit and he distributes them to each one just as he determines just as a body though one has many parts but all its many parts form one body so it is with Christ for we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. So we recognize that God has gifted every one of them. You know, this young man that I came out here to help build a church with, he used to say this, everybody in this room is a 10 at something. And our goal is to come together as a community of faith and figure out what that is. What is it that God has gifted you to do so that we can get you in that spot? Because if you're in that spot, incredible God things will happen. They will. When we begin to say, I'm going to use my gifts that God gave me for the work of God, incredible things happen. This is what I'm trying to get to right here. God is asking us to be all in not one foot on one side of the fence and one's foot on the other side of the fence but are we all in do we take Jesus with us to work do we take Jesus with us to play do we take Jesus with us entertainment do we take Jesus with us as we raise our children do and do people talk to us and we talk to them is it God first do we go all in? And by all in, this is what I mean. Do we keep growing? Do you keep growing? Are you still growing? Not like, yeah, I'm still growing in Jesus. He's still forgiving me. No, no, no. 
are you still growing in Jesus now you're doing the doing and not just growing in the knowing? A lot of people want to grow in the know, but not many people want to grow in the do. And I want to encourage you that we have been called to keep growing. We've been called, if we're all in, to keep changing. Pastor Joe, I, I like it this way. I don't, don't ripple the waters. Don't, don't. No, 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 no. If we're growing and if we're healthy, we will continue to change as God reveals himself to us. We need to keep growing and inviting. We need to keep doing that. We need to keep inviting. And we need to keep, and this is what we're coming down to, serving till kingdom come. We need to keep serving. We've, we've got to do God first. So don't worry, Jesus said in Matthew 6, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For pagans run after all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. In the book of Hebrews, God says it this way. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he's promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And by, but my righteous one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one that shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but those who have faith or persevere and are saved. We're all in. That's where we need to find ourselves. And when we think about that, we think about Bezalel and Aholiab, what we're thinking about is where are we using our gifts in the kingdom of God? Where are we all in? We've been called to persevere to continue to teach, to invite, to make disciples, to do all of these things. And it's, it's our responsibility. It's what God called us into. We've not been called into nothing. We've been called into something. And then God has gifted us through His Holy Spirit. And now it's so that we will start doing, we will start serving our local church. Because it's going to keep getting tough. The Scripture says over and over and over and over and over again, even in the book of Revelation, you need to persevere. Guess what? You don't need to persevere unless there's opposition. But we're not used to opposition to us as Christians for being Christians. But it's really starting to flare up. And I see people getting scared and nervous and saying, what if? But listen to me. Jesus told us it would happen. He told us. The scripture wouldn't say, I need you to persevere unless you need to persevere because there's opposition. You don't need to persevere except for when you're attacked. You don't need to persevere until the going gets hard. And then you'll see who's following Jesus when it gets tough. And right now it's getting hard. And I hear the Lord saying, it's time to stop complaining and go all in. It's time to stop worrying and go all in. It's time to stop living in fear and go all in. The kingdom of God is not about boundary lines or nations. It's about God. What God is doing and what He has done. And we got saved into that work. And I want to encourage you. Are you using your resources, your time, and your gifts for the kingdom? Or are you giving yourself a pass because you're tired and you've been doing it for so long? 
Are you holding the gift that God poured into your life in your hands and saying, the weekends, it's, I'm tired? Or do you recognize that there's a place for you to be using your gifts in this church and in the global church as well? Because we need to be doing that. When you don't use your gifts for the kingdom of God, if a holy ab and Bezalel would have said, nah! When you don't use your gifts for the kingdom of God, the whole body suffers to fill your void. You say, what? This is how Paul said it to the church in Galatia. Each one should test your own actions. And then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. Don't compare yourself to anybody else. Don't, don't do that. Don't, don't, don't say they're more spiritual or less spiritual than you. No, nobody is, okay? Nobody's more saved or less saved than you. You're saved or you're not saved. That, that's where it is. But there is a question about how all in we are. Have I gone all in? Look what he says. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word um, should share all good things with the instructor. That's just the end of the verse. But I was thinking about those those uh, Israelites carrying that temple all over that uh, tabernacle all over the wilderness we've been called to build 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 the church and the church is people it's not the building it's the people and you've been gifted so that it can happen and when you come into a church either this one or some other one when you come in don't say what do they have for me Say, what do you want me to do, Lord? Because most of the time that you walk into a church, the church needs you as much as you need the church. And you've been gifted to use your gifts in, in a local setting to see other people come to know Jesus. And that gift may be that you're just the most amazing inviter that inviting has ever seen. You may have so much influence in your area, wherever that is, that you keep inviting people to church and they keep coming. You might be great administratively. You might need to be on a board. You might need to be in the children's department. You might, be, might need to be working with the youth. You might need to be up here playing an instrument. But we have met so many people that through the years have said, yeah, as they were moving away after their college experience, yeah, I've been playing the guitar for you know about 27 years. Uh, well, why didn't you tell us that? Well, it looked like you had enough. <laughs> Not possible. Not possible. But people hide their gifts and don't use them. And then they wonder why God won't give them more. More opportunity, more affluence, more influence. Because God's waiting on you to use your gift for the kingdom, for people's souls. And Paul tells us that to church in Galatia. This is our calling build a church, to build a body of believers, to reach out to people that are in need, and you have the opportunity. What's your gifting? What's your gift? What's your gift? Because we'd love to help you figure that out, to find that, but everybody's been gifted. Scripture says so in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It's there. Let's come before the Lord in prayer. Father, as we come before you right now, we thank you for what you've called us to do here. It's our church, Lord. We're part of a greater church in Madison County and Central Kentucky and even around the world. And the world is going crazy, Lord, and you've called us to shine brighter because of it. And I ask and pray that you would help us do that.
Tell us what it is that you're calling us to so that we can do that. Give each one of us a person to invite, God. Give each one of us a person to pray for. Give each one of us a person to assist, to help, to encourage, to inspire. Give each one of us the boldness to step out of the fear that this world is is mongering and, and creating and disseminating. Help us to be bringers of hope and light because we're here for such a short time. God, we thank you for this. And I pray that you would show us, that you would engift us, and then empower us, and then find us faithful and obedient to use those gifts to make a difference. In Jesus' name, amen. Those of you that are watching online will find that down in the right-hand corner on the, the, the website, there's a little button that says uh, request prayer. If there's something you need prayer for, man, we want to be here for you. We want, we, want to, we want to pray for you. And there is somebody there waiting. For the rest of us, if you're facing something this week, something this big or something that small, something that just is picking, picking and picking at you or something that's nagging or just something that you can't, whatever it might be, we want to pray for you in here. You have the opportunity in here to be prayed over to have somebody bring the kingdom of God down upon you. And I want to encourage you in that. So as we go into this this last song, I just want to invite you. These people are up here to pray for you. They want to do that. All you've got to do is step out and come on up here, and, and, and they will lead you there.